Welcome to Culture Bites, where we take culture theory and turn it into everyday insights. We're powered by Human Synergistics, and our mission is to change the world one organization at a time. We can only do that together with our amazing community, so thank you for listening. Welcome to Culture Bites. My name's Dominic Gawley. I'm a consultant with Human Synergistics Australia. And this week on the show, I'm joined by fellow consultant Liana Sangster. Hey, Liana. Hi, Dom. So you and I did an episode last week on kind of framing up the LSI. And then we started talking about the AAA model. So awareness, acceptance, action, and people moving through that. And we started talking about and thought it'd be an interesting topic to really explore properly is helping people move between those stages. So particularly from awareness to acceptance. Because something I've seen is a few different things can happen, right? It can work magically. It can work perfectly, right? Where people are aware of it, they then accept it, and and then they're ready to move to actions after that. Sometimes, though, people want to skip the acceptance stage, right? So go from, I get it. I'm aware of it. What are we going to do? Give me the action plan. And I don't quite feel like it's really landed on them. Do you know what I mean? Like it's kind of a surface surface level thing. So there's skipping acceptance. There's kind of stalling at awareness. So yeah, I'm aware of it, but you know, it, it, like I'm okay with that or, mm-hmm. you know, that's just who I am kind of stuff. Right. And then the third one that I see is sometimes like, oh, I don't really understand it. So it might be a blind spot or something like that for me. Yeah. So I kind of get stalled there as well, but for a different kind of reason. So what would be awesome today is to kind of talk about what are some ideas, some tips to help you know move people along from that awareness stage to the accepting of the, the feedback stage. Mm. How does that sound? Sounds great. Beautiful. Would have been a problem if you said what didn't Can't work do well. That. Can't help you with that. Um, <laughs> so if we, if we start with the first one then. You're skipping acceptance. Yeah, I love this one. Right? Have you ever experienced that one? Yeah, I have experienced it. I, um, <laughs> it is very common with a more task-oriented profile uh, because there's a propensity for action. Uh-huh. And I think that's really important to notice in your client if it's showing up in the room because obviously the, what we're trying to create is that felt need to act and uh, you've got someone who wants to act, which is great, and it's very, very appealing. Uh, so it's seductive. I want to go there too. Yes. But I also want to make sure that the individual has landed on the things that matter and they have a really clear view of where they need to put their effort. If they want to move to a 10-point action plan immediately, it tells me that I'm not sure they're really, they've really felt what the data is telling them mm. and they may not have landed on what is going to be the most effective use of their time. It's a pattern to mm. go to action. Mm. So it's noticing when people get into those patterns that are already pre-existing so the role then, when I notice it in a debrief, is to kind of put the, put the handbrakes on and see if I can slow them down enough to hold in a space of reflection long enough. Uh-huh. So your question is probably going to be, well, how do you do that? How and do you do that? Say, yeah, how do you do that? <laughs> so we talked about the frame-up in the last episode. Part of the reason why I talked about the frame-up in that awareness phase is to, to make people aware that we're not going to do an action plan. So if I've followed my own frame-up rules, I would have already said to them that mm. the action plan will come and we're going to just... We're just going to spend some time exploring here. If that doesn't work and they're still ready, they want to go, I would normally, first of all, I would call it out. So I would, I would say, like, I'm noticing you, you really want to move to action. Let's talk mm. about that some more. Mm. This is a pattern for you. Which might be reflective of their circumplex. Yeah. Right? Probably is. It shows up somewhere. Then 
often that will create quite a good conversation because they'll have a bit of a chuckle and go, yes, this is me, you (laughs) know, great. Okay, so we notice it. That's excellent. And then the goal is then to kind of keep them back and get them into a space where they can start to take deeper awareness into what the LSI 1 and 2 is. And so it really depends where you're at in the debrief, what you're going to do at that point. But I might just orient them back to the initial conversation about what they care about. So get Mm. clear on what's the goal here, remembering that the goal is not to grow more blue on a page. The the goal is to figure out what do we want more of or less of in our life. So I start to broaden the discussion to understand and navigate a little bit more what is it in this person's life that they would either want more of or less of right now, what's going to make them more more happy, Mm. feel more effective. Mm. And work back from there. Uh, okay, so what's the outcome they're kind of looking for? Right? Yeah. What's the, what's the end state? So I wonder, and this is Dom's opinion, not there's no science that I know of behind this, but often the actions, in that moment, the actions people focus on tend to be around the LSI too. Yes. Because there can be some kind of cosmetic stuff almost that I could do, you know, immediately. But I think they've often missed the LSI one. They're yes, thinking kind of parts right. of it because it's a bit deeper and it's not so, it's not so like behaviors are easy to name and see and cha- like mm. kind of identify, whereas thinking's a bit harder. Yes. You have to reflect a bit more you on it. You have to it. pause. Because you have to like question beliefs, mm. you know, and question values. It's a really valid point that you raised on that, yes, there is, a, because of the propensity for action, they want things to do. Yes. And that can sometimes be a bit of a distraction. Yes. So give me more stuff to do. Whereas what we're asking them to do is to slow down. And that's very uncomfortable. Yes. If that's not what your habit is. And so it's not just changing the window dressing, but actually, you know, what's inside the house kind of stuff, right? Yeah, having having a look at it. As I'm still sitting here thinking, the question is, so how do you do that? So how do you do do that? that? How do you do that? (laughs) (laughs) So... The reason I'm struggling to answer the question, I'm, I'm realizing as I'm as I'm answering it, is because it's so different depending on the person, mm. how I might tackle the question. Mm. But the reason I went back to what what does the person care about the most is because you want to create that felt need to act. And so the example I would give you, I'm thinking about a client that I once worked with that was very ready to do some actioning on the back of the feedback, but I mm. knew that he didn't understand what the data was telling him mm. because I, I, you know, to receive feedback that's quite challenging, you would expect some kind of emotion. But what I noticed was I wanted to skip over that felt Mm. experience and Mm. just tell me what I need to do. So for that client, I what did I do with him? I actually got I did get him to go home and talk to his partner because I said we're not going to get to action planning yet. I want you to spend some time. So I think from from a frame up point of view, you actually need to make sure that you're not just doing one debrief per person. That you do more than one. You got a couple of chances. So you say to them, we're going to we're going to do action planning in week three of December. In between now and then, I've got some activities I want you to do. And mm. so that will be appealing to a task-oriented person because right. it's an activity. But the activity is shaped around either reflecting or deepening their awareness. Right. So, so you say asking some questions, reflecting on yep. you know, your thoughts, stuff like that. Yep. It might be observing themselves in a meeting and taking some notes after they get out in yeah, a journal. Yeah, cool. It might be asking for more feedback, although I do that with due caution. That's why I say go home and talk to a loved one because it... Mm. Seems to be there the relationships where you can have those really robust conversations without yeah, yeah. fear. Yeah, I was I was just going to say because um, on our website in the accredited login is actually a reflection activity book. Yeah, if you like that, you can send to people which has some questions just to deepen people's 
you know, acceptance and awareness, right, of, you know, what's going on for me, you know, what stood out for me, that kind of stuff. So it's just getting them to, as you say, uh, slowing them down and just reflecting a bit more, yeah. right, just staying there a bit longer. And I think you need to create a task around it because it, for some people it's quite natural to reflect. We forget that if it, we're natural reflectors, we don't realise that other people may not have that in their mm, habitual true. repertoire or whatever. Behavior. So, yeah, creating the activity. So yeah. you might might be quite concise. It might be once a week you're going to sit down for 20 minutes and you're going to reflect on these questions. Yep. Great. That is your task. Yep. Go and do it. Yeah. And then you and figure so out where they get to. And so that gives them something to do. So they feel a level of comfort yes. with having something to move forward with, which I get. Totally, we want to move forward. But it's also slowing them down. And then next time when we come back, we can probably have a better conversation, get to better actions because we've actually taken some time to absorb it. And you can you can have really great conversations with them about what did they notice when they did that activity and how did they feel? Mm. Because I imagine mm. it would create, for some it will create anxiety, for some it will create, it would be really rewarding and just the practice of noticing. Yeah, beautiful. What about the second one, which was stalling at awareness? So the first one was kind of jumping to action, but this is stalling at awareness. So well, I'm kind of aware of it, but I don't really accept it. Like it hasn't really sunk in for me. So the stalling at awareness sounds like, so if I put it into it, what does it sound like in a debrief yeah. when I'm noticing it? It's a, uh, yeah, I, I am like that and it's good. I'm, I'm okay with that. Mm. Uh, and I'm really, I'm hesitant as, as I'm saying this out loud because we're not talking about constructive profiles often when we're talking about the stalling at, a, mm. at awareness. We're talking about often when the person is thinking and or behaving in a way that's quite defensive. Mm. And so you kind of already know there's something, there's an opportunity there. Mm. So it looks a little bit like apathy. It might look a little bit like defensiveness, but it's packaged up as I'm okay with that, therefore mm. let's leave it. Mm. So that's what you're talking about. Yes, it? totally. Yeah. Yep. That can be a tough one. I think, again, it can be seductive depending on what you shop, how you shop as a debriefer, because it could be, okay, great, we're done here. Let's, let's, <laughs> yeah. If you're okay with that, I'm okay with that. It's not my job to tell you what you should and shouldn't be doing. Well, and there's some truth there's in that, some right? Truth, it's yeah. not my job to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. It's up to you. Yeah. But, but <laughs> yeah, go. But. I don't like to leave any stone unturned. If I can see there's an opportunity, I, I want to support the individual to, you know, find it. Mm. I don't know what the solution is, but I know that I can, if I can add value to it, I'm going to keep working on it. That's, mm. What's your position? That's what I do. I'm, well, I'm going to ask them. I'm just going to keep asking them questions and see yeah. where they land, right? So, cool. You know, Great. Like, like you're, you're happy with you know, whatever the profile is. Let's say it's fairly defensive. You know, how does it help you? Does it ever get in the way? Yes. Right? Does it ever come at a cost? You know? And it's just asking those, exploring those kinds of questions, right? And yeah. Because if you think about it, if, if I'm sitting here saying, I'm fine with this profile, but when I start getting asked questions, I'm like, well, yeah, sometimes it gets in the way with my relationships at home or yeah. with other people at work or something. And I think that's an important feature, right? I mean, you usually, because you've got more data sets than just the circumflex, you're usually looking at the satisfaction items and you can see that, and, we, and looking at profiles all day, every day, you see the connection between defensive uh-huh. and low satisfaction. So you already know that the person's either You've unhappy rated with how much- relationships yeah. with colleagues as a one. Yeah. Or wow. time with family, you know, whatever it might be. Yep. Happy at, with the organisation they're with at the moment. So often I'll get away from the circumplex because it tells me that they're probably having a bit of self-judgment at that time. Like there's uh-huh. a bit of 
defensiveness. Yes. I'm okay with that. And so they're kind of closing down a little bit. Yes. And that's, if you notice someone's closing down, then your role is to make, find a space where they can pull up that roller door again and be in the room with you. Well, that's right. You don't want to trigger their defensiveness. Yeah. Trigger them into a defensive state, right? And that's why it's, we're just being curious. We're just asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a, it's a good opportunity to go to those sort of satisfaction items and just say, let's park the circumflex for a moment, or maybe park the profile, you know, completely and start uh-huh. to have a human conversation with them about, let's park the circumflex for, for a moment. Let's talk about life for you right now, what's working, what's not working. And so just navigate that landscape a little bit more mm. clearly, because often you'll have someone who says, it's fine, it works for me, I'm head of finance or I'm an auditor or whatever it is, so I want people to follow the rules. That was your example. Uh-huh, yep. And it just te- it tells you they haven't fully understood it yet. So, yes. But I, t- I often will take a step back and then I'll come back and look at it later. And so the example Leanna was referring to is one we were talking about off mic, which was it was a guy who had done multiple LSIs and it had come out fairly passive. But he's kind of like, yeah, I'm okay with that. That's kind of who I am. You know, that's all right. And I think he had done a couple. And then he did leadership impact, which is around how do I cause other people to behave? And he saw he had a passive impact on his team. And he was like, well, we're in finance. It's okay. We need to follow the rules. All right. But it was at home when he went home and his son came to him and said, daddy, is it okay if, but, you know, if not, then that's all right. But, you know, maybe could I possibly, and he realized just having a passive impact on his it's son. role modeling. Right. Yeah. He was Drawing, driving passive behaviors in the sun. And that was kind of the key for him. He's like, well, I don't want to do that with my son, right? And then it was, well, if I don't want to do that with my son. I don't want to do that with my team. And if I don't want to do that with te- my team, I don't want to do that with myself. Yeah. And so from there, he actually had a transformation, right? Yeah. And, and became really constructive. Yeah. I often talk about, I might have spoken about this in previous podcasts, finding the hook that the client cares about because yeah. it's not always at work. And it doesn't really matter. I mean, obviously, we, you know, it is through, we want to see the change in work, but often what, if you can get a lever pulled in one area, it, it, they it see the benefit of it. Over, it just, totally. Yeah, so it, I'm not as attached to it having to be work. No. Yeah, if we can have more constructive individuals, that's going to impact every part of their life. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or just realizing that there's another way of doing things, mm. you know. So, yeah, it sounds like you were tapping into what he cared about so in that moment. tapping into what they care about. And so that was what we were talking about earlier was, mm. you know, What's the payoff? What's the trade-off, right? And it's trying to tap into what actually matters to people. And it's a great shout that it's not always at work. Yeah. Sometimes it's outside of work. The cost the cost might not be at work. The cost might be I'm working these crazy hours. I'm kicking goals at work. Everyone thinks I'm a star. Yeah. But I'm burning out yeah. myself or, you know, I never see my kids anymore. Or That's ultimately, know. I think, the answer. I think that is ultimately what I'm looking for when I'm trying to shift someone from awareness to acceptance is to realize that there are things they're doing that are helping them and there are things that are doing them that are hindering them in some way. And yes. if we can get there, yes. then that's success. If you if they can clearly identify and articulate that, yep. then you've planted the seed. And, you know, as we kind of talked about, you can't make anyone be aware, you know, be self-aware and have acceptance. You can't make someone do that. But you can plant the seeds and open the you door can. and whatever other metaphor you want to use. I often find as well, just as we're talking and realizing this, that Getting the individual to, to label examples is really helpful. Yeah. You know, get really so specific examples. about it. Mm. So when, you know, when do you feel that you show up that way or when do you think this way? What does it sound like? What do you do? And actually get them to articulate it because I just feel like we can leave it at an intellectual level 
Yeah, but do they feel it? Yeah, and and yeah. make it personal. Yeah. So I know that when I'm in this situation, this is what I do. Great. That that is actually quite a successful That's massive. outcome if you can get an individual to identify. And you know what? Sometimes with these ones, I've been in debris where I've come out, I've been like, didn't really feel like I nailed it. Like yeah. it felt like it kind of bounced off. But you planted some of the seeds by asking some of those questions. And I've been surprised in the next time we catch up, they've actually gone away and thought about it and they have moved to acceptance. And yeah. it's been, I've been like, oh, wow. Like I kind of didn't so, think that was going to happen. That's know? a really good point. And that is in terms of setting realistic expectations for yourself and your client that you're probably only going to get to awareness in session one. Yeah. And acceptance really only comes with time and space and reflection. Totally. And it's because it's one of those things, like I call it the new car effect, you know, like when you buy a new car and then you're like, oh my God, I never realized how many of this type of car are on the road. They're like they're everywhere, but you never notice because you're never looking for Toyota whatevers, you know, but now that you got one, wow, they're everywhere. Yeah. Right. And same thing when you've had feedback on your LSI, it's like, Suddenly you notice the thought pattern. Suddenly you notice the behaviors. Yeah. And so that's that awareness and acceptance, right? You start, if you have a bit of time between catch-ups, you start noticing that stuff. And that's when it kind of sinks in because you see the examples firsthand, you know, to your point before. Yes. Real life experience is the best. Yeah, totally. All right. What about the, so that one was kind of about getting them to name you know, and, and notice real examples and connect with a felt state of it rather than just a kind of superficial understanding or yeah. I accept it, but I don't really see, you know, so what. There's no it's connecting them with the so what. Yes. You know? yeah. And then the last one was, I don't really understand it. Like I don't quite get it. Mm. And therefore I can't, maybe that means I'm not really at acceptance, you know, but, but I can't move to, a, oh, sorry, awareness, but it means I can't really move to acceptance if I don't really get it. And that can be a blind spot. Like where I see this typically in the outside one, people have filled it out. So usually they kind of get it. Sometimes they can have a surprise in there, but often it's with feedback from others. Like it's quite different from how I see myself. I don't get it. Yeah. Blind spots. Mm. So you think about why we have a blind spot. We either like genuinely just don't connect with what people are seeing or we're not ready to see it. Mm. So I think that there's probably two camps there. Either way, you've got to work with your client to help them move through that. And so they're really similar techniques, actually. If at the end of the first session, they're still stuck and baffled as to how on earth their circumplex LSI2 looks that way. Mm. I think it's important to remember that it's perception, right? So number one, True. To, to remove the which one's right. You know, we're measuring two different things. I think that's probably something that I would make very clear in the feedback session. That They're both on a circumplex, but they measure different stuff. Yeah, that's right. Mm. So you're reminding your client, like particularly if they get a bit anxious about it, that LSI1 is the invisible stuff that people can't see so they don't understand your intention. So at the moment you're landing in a way that's not consistent with your intention. But the perception is how people attribute your behavior. So it's something that you're doing and saying potentially that you're not aware of that's landing in a certain way. Mm. So it passes through their own lens and all that stuff. And it's not about which one's correct or not, because they're both correct, mm-hmm. right? They just measure different things. Yeah. One's measuring your thinking. The other's measuring people's perceptions of your behavior. And they're both interesting, Yeah. right? If people are picking, up, picking us up in a different way, why might that be? And I think it's important, and this is a trap that I fall into sometimes of wanting to find the solution for the person. <laughs> I think it's really important to ask the client, how might you go about 
you know, but you come to an decision and they say, I don't know, I don't know what this is, you know, sort of telling you, like you tell me what I need to do. Uh-huh. You might ask, well, what, what would you advise someone to do if they're not sure about uh-huh. what the feedback's telling them? Because I think there's an element of making sure that you're not taking it on. That you're not solving it for them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so you can give them some options, right? This is definitely. But I think the first point of call is what might you do to find out? Like, mm. what, what are some of your options? Mm. So talking to the people who gave me feedback is probably yeah. one they come up with. With hesitation, I would say yes, that is an option. But yes, that's definitely an option. So the hesitation there is what? The hesitation really depends on what the feedback's telling you. I suppose the whole point of the data is that people have given it to you already. So yes. they've given you the feedback. Yeah. And it depends on the position, the seniority of the role, but I often find when people go and do that straight after a debrief that they are they haven't given themselves enough time to process it and it can feel a bit threatening. What did you write? Why did you it? score did, me like yeah. this? And so I've had examples where clients have done that and I've thought they'd been ready to do it, but the team that, that they'd given them feedback weren't. So I say that with hesitation. I think you can do that and I think it's wonderful to have conversations with people about your feedback. I think you need to give yourself some space to understand it first and then there might be an opportunity to do that. So Get some more data for yourself first. Yeah, and I think it depends, right? Like I've seen people who have a really great relationship with their manager. Yes. And they're like, they're going to do it anyway. They're going to go discuss it, discuss it with their manager. Yeah. And maybe they've done their own LSI and so it's a great conversation and all that stuff. Awesome. I've seen ones where it's like people saw themselves as quite constructive, but their teammates saw them as quite defensive. Yeah. Right? And that's a harder discussion because if you go to someone, Liana, why did you score me high for oppositional. Yeah. And then depending on their LSI, I guess they're going to be like, what? I didn't do that. Yeah. Yes. They're going to deflect. The risk is, I think you're right. I think it depends on the quality of the relationship and, you know, where the individual's at with their feedback. But if we're still not at acceptance yet, it suggests there's not, you know, there's a barrier there. So I definitely, yeah, I think it's, I with due caution, do that only because I've had situations where it's gone well, off rails. well, and plus people will do it in a way that reflects their other side. Yeah. So it might be a bit <laughs> oppositional going to that. But sometimes the the other way I frame it up is rather than giving me feedback, I get people to ask for feed forward. Yeah. So rather than saying, why did you score me so oppositional? It'd be like, Liana, one thing I want to grow more is humanistic encouraging. I want to explore ideas with people. What are one or two things you might see me do? Like, what could I do Yeah. there? Now, in a way, they're giving you feedback because they're telling you what you're not doing, yeah. potentially. I think that's right? a great but way to do a, it. But it's yeah. a safer way for people to – because now it's framed in the positive, if you see what I mean. So rather than you're doing this thing wrong, quote unquote, yeah. right? it's kind of what could I do to improve, you know? Yeah. I, mean, I, I think I – so I love that. And I also think that you could – well, you can equip them right with knowledge. So if knowledge is what they're missing, you've got options. You go to people and ask them directly – you can give them the LSI development guide and get them to read the constructive styles totally. that they're lowest on and go, what did you find in there that you think, you know, you really could do more of and why is that going to help you? I said before, you know, your partner, the person you live with, close friend, sibling, they know you the best. Totally. And Ask them. <laughs> and again, it's the time thing, right? So if I don't get how people are picking me up as oppositional, well, over the next X weeks until we catch up again, just try and notice, right? Reflect after meetings, reflect after interactions with people. Yeah. Right? How might they have perceived you Yeah. in that interaction, right? So it might not be something we've noticed in the past, but maybe now that we're kind of primed to look for it, mm-hmm. see if you can pick up any hints of how people might be perceiving you. Notice, name, reflect. Notice, name, reflect. Exactly. Beautiful. 
So those those are kind of the three stages we had around awareness, you know, moving to acceptance, mm. right? And actually, now that we've gone through them, there's a lot of similarities for the things there you would is, do to yeah. kind of move people along, right? Give them time, go ask a loved one, you know, ask those kind of reflection questions, right? So get them to think a bit deeper about it and maybe slow them down a little mm. and get them to reflect on, you know, what's the payoff and trade-off. And I think the most important thing for accredited practitioners and what I noticed in my practice is to just notice where they're at. You know that is part mm. part of your part of the work is because when you notice where they're at, you can help target your effort. Which questions them. you ask? Yeah, yeah, totally. So can you identify is this person still at awareness? Have they moved to acceptance? Are they trying to skip to action? Yeah. All right. Where are they? Because that gives us a clue on what our approach might be. Mm. Beautiful tips. Thanks, Liana. Thanks, Dom. Thanks for listening to this episode of Culture Bites. If you enjoy the show. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, leave us a review. It helps other people to find the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer, email podcast at human-synergistics.com.au. We'd love to answer it. This podcast is copyrighted by Human Synergistics Australia, all rights reserved. To learn more about what we do, visit human-synergistics.com.au.